0: All opinions and views expressed on this podcast do not reflect official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the United States government.
1: Airmen, soldiers, sailors, marines, guardians, and all the rest of you humans out there. And welcome to Engaged, a Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst diversity and inclusion podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chip. And I'm Rafi. And today we have with us an airman from Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst, assigned to the 621st Contingent Response Squadron, uh, Tom Bay. Tom Bay is our special guest today, and uh, we're, we're pleased to have him. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir.
2: Oh, uh, hello, um... I'm Senior Bay, um stationed out here for uh, for about two years now. Um, I'm originally from Cameroon.
1: I moved to the United States in 2017, and I love it here. Awesome. I, I'm sure we've got a lot of stories and background information we're going to get and hear from you, uh, personal experiences and perspectives and perceptions. Uh, probably, as, as always, Rafi's probably got a great topic lined up for us to discuss about um, you got anything else you want to tell us about yourself, Tommy? Um, not really. I mean, apart from working, I'm also uh, a private
0: pilot on the side, and I love school. Awesome. What, what are we talking about today, Rafi? All right. Hey, welcome everyone. And we are going to be talking about cultural identity. So, what cultural identity is? It's a part of a person's self-concept, and is related, but not limited to. Their nationality, ethnicity, sexuality, ability, religion, social class, generation, or any social group that has its own distinct culture. So, for example, the military, um, and so on. So, uh, I'll give you guys an example. And this one, this one is a real person. I'm, I'm not going to put put their name out there, but um, a Jewish woman born in Iraq, living when. Living there since she was ten, then being raised in Dusseldorf, Germany, with an American father from Texas and a graduate from MIT, also being a U.S. veteran, so that that is an example of culture identity. You can kind of see it in this extreme example, but you could kind of see all the different um, identities that and cultures that are mixed into that person. And when we talk a little bit about culture, I want you guys to think about. when, when it comes to your ability and, and also the, the social groups. So kind of think of like in the military and the social groups as well that are in the military. So small group identity. Um, I think the best example of this that we can look at is, is the Marines, you know, the idea of like, once a Marine, always a Marine, Hey Marine, like, like wherever they go. um, And, and that's an example of like that, 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 that social identity, that's that um, that cultural identity that appears from that. So with that, um you can see like the over overlapping identity markers within there and the identity instructors and, and the how the identity um, interacts with each other with like one another and shapes us and, and our views of the world as well and it's some of it can kind of be fluid as well as I'm going into this definition. So there are hard identities and then there are soft identities as well. So like a hard identity is something you can't really change. And the main reason you can't change it is probably because we don't have a time machine, and we can't control certain things like where you're born, how you're raised, things like that. You can't change those type of things right now. But other things are also are are kind of changeable. So think about religion. You may be a very religious person, um, following a certain religious set, and then you may decide to change your religion, and that 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 means some part of your cultural culture can change. You still have some of those aspects that you were raised with. Um, if you look at it that way, but but that cultural identity, it has been changed. So,
1: all right. So that was a that was a great summary on on all all the different kinds of cultural aspect. I I was also thinking of like education level that has something to do with your own personal culture. Uh, Tabe, I we talked earlier. We've known each other for a couple of years at this point. Um, we both know a little bit about each other. I I have a very Based off, like, just seeing both of us at surface face value, uh, there's a lot of assumptions that can be made and, and things that we can think about or, or what we know, but, you know, there's a lot of things that you just can't tell. Like, uh, um, you, you know, we both, uh, different ways that this this happened, but we, we both were, uh, for a time period of our lives, raised by a single parent, single mom. Um, uh, my family is from all over the United States. Your family is, like, and your experiences are, are way more international than mine, but, if you just look at us and and we didn't talk or we didn't say anything and we were showed up in uniform somewhere that other than skin color, uh, there's not too many different things. We'd be assumed that we were airmen in the military. Uh, but there is obviously a lot of different perspectives and ideas that we have on life. Uh, I, I would just like to get to know your own personal culture story a little bit. Uh, you, you know, there, there's, we talked about, uh, where you came from originally, how you grew up, your ideas of of um, of America, your ideas of your own personal life and and belief systems and ideas, and and how your ideas and perceptions of things changed once you started your journey here. I, I and so we can understand that like exactly how the the example you gave us earlier, Rafi, uh, just because somebody appears one way or because they're from Dusseldorf, Germany doesn't mean anything like they're the yeah, that's an Air Force veteran still, but you would never know that, unless somebody opened up and talked to you. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hear a little bit about you.
2: Oh well, um, I was born in, as uh, like I said earlier, I was born in um, Cameroon. Um, I have um, four older siblings, four girls. So, I mean, kind of like the African culture, the um, male is always um, the heir, and like every family wants uh, like an heir to whatever throne they have. So, um, I grew up in uh, a middle aged family. My dad was a um, police commissioner. My mom has been a nurse. Uh, we grew up in a, in a suburb, in a suburb of a town called Umba. It's like the commercial capital of Cameroon. That's where you have like a huge market for transit and uh, for transit between goods, uh, for goods between um, the economic capital of uh, Cameroon, Douala, and uh, Nigeria. So, it's a, it, it's, it's, it's a whole marketplace. Education-wise, I did go to private schools, private uh, day schools, and then once I hit middle school, I went to a minor seminary up till two thousand nine when my dad died, and um, I, on my own accord, decided to leave because that was his journey for me. Wanted to go through a minor seminary with him being a, a Christian Catholic. Right. He, yeah, he well, he wanted me to go to minor seminary with the hopes I might be a priest one day, but. I Guess life had some other thing planned for me, right, right? Right, yeah. So, I mean, after he died, um, uh, I pretty much learned to be like a man on my own, um, not like solely dependent, but uh, knowing I had sisters and they were like far ahead in education and all that, so kind of make those sacrifices for them, so in turn, I could be. In a much better situation of, of my own land, with uh, financial troubles being with my for my mom being a single parent, it was kind of was, was kind of tough. It was kind of tough growing up. Yeah, at that at that particular point.
1: Right. Uh, I, I imagine just the uh, the socio economic structure that you mentioned. You, you came from a middle class family when your father was around. I uh, I imagine I, he was a, a big provider financially for the household. So you, you kind of switch from a different culture, at least uh, money-wise, from from maybe a, a upper-middle-class or middle-class family to, to you, you guys were a little bit tighter on money. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, and, uh, we were, like at one point, we, we became so fortunate because uh, we had um, his, tra- his side of the family, his cousins, like, literally come in and help our uh, education-wise, so my, uh, my older siblings, uh, until when they uh, traveled abroad for education, and then, yeah, I mean, we I got, in that aspect we we became we became we became working in such a way. I was like the only person from my household left back home in Cameroon with my mom, because we have I have a, I had sisters in uh, Russia, in England, uh, currently in Belgium and in France. So they all left, and that kind of gave me a leeway. Right. To, <laughs> at, yeah. a, at, at that point, I had a, I had of stability because I could not only rely on my mom, I could not rely on my sisters who. Like with the part-time jobs, they have all. They kind of support me financially.
1: Right. Um, what we got, Rafi? Sorry, you, you gave me the look. I love that look. Here, you, you got a topic for us. Yeah. So,
0: so as you guys are, are talking about this, so what you guys are getting into is like kind of like how culture is maintained and then like intercultural uh, dialogue. So you you mentioned that you had family uh, in different places. You said I believe Russia and and some other locations. Belgium. Yeah. Russia, Belgium. Yep. So UK, France. So, so what that creates is called intercultural dialogue. Um, that's when that's when like. The, the, one's identity is created in relation to the others with unique uh, social context. So uh, basically, what they're saying is is along the lines of your your cultures are mixing and, and you guys are you you guys are adapting. You have to think of like culture um, in two different ways. So everyone thinks that that culture culture has to be maintained. If you are from a certain area, you have to act that way and you have to be that way. So right. So for example, you you being from from um, from Africa the, the the continent of Africa. Um, they, 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 they like to, uh, stereotype that, that continent. And a lot of people will do that. And they, they expect you to act a certain way and, and, and be a certain way. And then there, there's also unique things about, about your country that we talked about, um, previously where you yeah, where specifically Cameroon. Yeah. 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 Specifically, um, it, it's, it's, it's location and, and, and its culture is more related to a different country than, 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 um, than, than what people would expect. I was wondering if we could, we, we could touch a little bit on that, but before we do, I just want to um, point out to our, to our viewers that that culture is being maintained by collective knowledge, such as like traditions, heritage, language, um, artistic uh, views, uh, norms, and customs. So, so that's how a culture is maintained, and there is nothing wrong with maintaining your culture. So, if you go to an, go to a new country or if you go to somewhere somewhere different, like maintaining your culture is is is, is actually okay. Um, it does sometimes will, it, it does sometimes, uh, cause cultural conflict, which we'll get to in a minute. And I, I I'll give you guys an example of that one before we do, but I do want to talk a little bit about, about, uh, your cultural norms from where you are, but, um, I'll give you this example of where it can be cultural conflict. So, um, when, I, when if you consider how, uh, Koreans like to eat, um, when, when in, in some parts of, of Korea, uh, they, they prefer, um, to show, uh, that the chef that they really do appreciate their food by, by, uh, chewing loudly. Um, and that is a way of, of showing appreciation for food, for the food. The food is, is very good. Um, and, and that's something that, that I learned while I was actually stationed in Korea. And I thought it, w- it was actually quite, quite amazing. But a lot of Americans, um, in our culture, if you're chewing loudly and, and, and doing that, that, that is a sign of being rude. So, so you can some, sometimes have cultural, uh, conflict and, and, and understanding, um, cultural conflict is, is, is very important because if you do have uh, say subordinates or if you do have military leaders um, that are that are from different different areas of the world, um, you, you may have these cultural contexts and you might you might think that uh, something they are, they are doing is is wrong or weird and you might not, you just might not understand it. Um, we gave that example before um, with with uh, with people from Philadelphia and and what the comfort stance is. And for most most people growing up in the streets of Philadelphia, and that is a subculture, within Philadelphia. They they like to cross their arms, and give you their ear. But if you do that in L.A., that would be, what do you? I don't want to talk to you. Right. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. All right. I'm gonna try and put this all together because you hit me with like multiple
1: things, and my brain went in four different places at once. So earlier, Tombe, you and I were talking. Uh, we we went. We were talking all kinds of stuff. Uh, History of of, uh, Africa, colonization of of different countries. Um, And we talked about how uh, initially the Germans had kind of set up that area. You gave us a rundown of the the swapping between the different European nations. But you had talked about um, your family, how how your family associates with a part that was actually more closely related to Nigeria instead of Cameroon. And at some point, they realized that belief-wise or idea-wise... They were actually more Cameroonian, uh, or they were actually Cameroonis and they broke away from Nigeria and <laughs> became a part of the Cameroon totally, completely. So uh, that's that's what we were talking about, Rafi, initially, right? That's what yep. we were. Yeah. So please, like, if if you can uh, elaborate on, on on that whole history lesson that he, he kind of gave us earlier uh, for our listeners, uh, you know, about just the different kind of cultures, European cultures that influenced um, at Cameroon and especially your part of Cameroon throughout the years.
2: Okay, so um, basically, uh, I'll, I'll just put this in a summary. Um, the Cam- Cameroon was discovered by uh, the Portuguese to begin with. Yep, sorry, the, forgot about that part. Yeah, <laughs> it was discovered by the Portuguese, initially, uh, and that's where the name um, Cameroon comes from, from um, uh, a river where they found prawns. Uh, so they call it Rio dos Cameros, the okay. River of, of prawns. So that's where the origin of the name Cameroon came from. And then during the annexation of uh, of Africa, you had the Germans come in and literally switch the name to Cameroon, spelled with a K and with a U. UN. up till the uh, up to the World Wars, uh, the First World War, uh, where the Germans lost um, ground on the on the Allied troops, uh, the country was split between between French and English. The reason being, the French had a dominating presence already in Central Africa. So you're talking about Central African Republic, you're talking about uh Niger uh, Niger. Right, right uh, where, where I stayed exactly. at. Exactly. Yes. The um, the Co- uh, Congos, uh, Brazzaville and uh, Kinshasa. And then you have um, a dominant English presence in the West of Africa. So you're talking about Nigeria, you're talking about parts of um, you're talking about parts of Ghana. You talk about Ghana and, and Right, and we're talking, talking the, United
1: Kingdom English.
2: Exactly, United right. Kingdom the British yes. So um during during that uh, during that split, where the German colonies were being distributed among the the Allied nations of Europe, you had this little part of Cameroon, which was literally almost had like had the same culture with um, with eastern Nigeria. We talk about people from uh, people from the the Calabar region of uh, Nigeria, that's uh, south south eastern Nigeria. So you had this group of people, and then you had you had this group of people from this tiny part, which is now the English part of Cameroon. Literally have like similar cultures and identities with them. Like, even present day, you have uh, like the way we dress traditionally, our dance and uh, and, our vernaculars are almost similar to what those guys in southeastern Nigeria speak. Right. So, coming up up to after the Second World War, where um, literally countries in Africa were gaining independence, those of us in the English part of Cameroon, that's southern Cameroon. Felt it necessary because we had the same name. The only difference was one was co- one was co- um, controlled by the French, and one was controlled by the English. So they felt it necessary for us to vote on which part we wanted to join. Did we want to join Nigeria? Because the British were leaving. Nigeria already had its independence. right? So did we want to join Nigeria and become a sovereign nation, or did we want to join our brothers in the East and become a unified Cameroon? Right. So that is how the two countries, that's how we voted to join our brothers in the east, and that is how we became Cameroon. One country, two languages, and tons of different identities and cultures. Right? Even though know, the French and the English, they have two different cultures, two different manners, and in, in everything. So that is literally what the country for like the best part of 50 years plus after independence, have been kind of riding up with cultural uh, cultural differences, um, language language barrier. And that is literally how it's been up to like a couple of years ago, where um, some conflicts came up, which is going to be a topic for another day. But <laughs> cultural wise, we are diverse. We have more than two hundred and thirty-six tribes in Cameroon, for the most part
1: speaking different languages. So you can imagine. Right, and I think you told me it was kind of a it was kind of a weird divide as well. I like it was a twenty eighty between French and English.
2: Oh yeah, it, it, is, it is a twenty eighty. There are ten regions, and you have eight. French dominant and two English speaking, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's very even in that part. And you have like majority of the population in the east, uh, they control like most of like the political aspects and all that. And then we uh, in the
0: in the in the west, literally just living life. Right. Hey, yeah, you can kind of think of like uh, the, the colonization of, of a huge uh, a cultural a force, cultural shift. Um, that happened in Africa. Um, it's why it's it's so relevant. If you, it, it, I, I had the, the pleasure of talking to uh, a a doctor of, uh, who studied uh, uh, African studies. Um, she's actually here at JVFDO, and she she taught one of the courses that I went through, and um, she 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 talks about how why it's so important um, to understand the colonizations of, in 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 Africa and and the culture that happened. I think we we spoke about this earlier, but but, um, Ethiopia is one, one of the only countries, uh, on the continent that, that was able to resist the colonization, um, and, 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 but it doesn't mean that, that its culture didn't shift from it, um, and and we were talking a little bit about that earlier, but with that, um, as you, as you, as, as we talked about your, your grandparents, right, it's like, so they, 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 uh, they attempted to kind of maintain that, that cultural identity that they had, but then, then you have your father, and then you have, you have you, and, and. All these different cultures have begun mixing, right? So they become this intercultural mix, and like this big, this big uh, uh, boiling pot, if you will, of different cultures and different norms and stuff like that. And then you have your what you mentioned earlier, where you, you went from one social class um, to another. And you, we've talked a little bit about you know you all of a sudden ar- around your middle school age, you were you you know you were on the streets, right? Like so you were you were you were learning the street life, and you were kind of learning um, what it's like what what it's like. To be in, Don's co- in that culture and that's a that's a totally different culture and for, so for some countries and some states in, in the united states as well um going from going from middle class to lower middle class is a big um a big shift but going from and in, in, in some states it, it, it might not be like i know um in in arizona where i was um it's more it's more intermixed so in some parts of arizona uh, you know the middle class is is very mixed with, with the lower middle class and 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 it is it is normal, um, whereas other other states, um, it is a big difference. You do, the, and we talk about New York and Los Angeles, it, it is big. And then there's a big shift right there as well. Um, you come to the United States and then within the United States, you know, you have this image and, and like we talked about before, we've talked about a little bit about you see the United States and you see, you you what you saw of the United States, and when you got here, and what, what you actually saw. So let's let's, let's get into that. I kind of want to hear oh, this yeah. story a little bit.
1: So I'll preface this a little bit more as well. Uh, so we had talked about like we we had shared stories. I told you a little bit that you know I'd gone and I'd gotten some ideas and perceptions uh, perspectives of of Americans from from uh, some Nigerians while I was up in Niger, and uh, when we were there. Uh, um, doing our mission, they talked about how how awesome America was and how glad they were to see us and and all these, you know, America's the number one country in the world and, and aspirations, you know. Well, if, if I can't be Nigerian, I, I would love to be an American and, and, like, all these hopes and dreams and these, you know, we're something we might take for granted as Americans, uh, like, because we're here all the time and, uh, you know, but the, the stereotypical idea of the American dream um, and, and you, you told me about your idea of, of America when you were a kid. So, uh, yeah, please tell us tell us about your idea and your thought process and, and how you came around to make your your American dream American reality.
2: Well, for one thing, I'll tell you, I've had like too many like different ideas about America growing up. We'll talk about like what I watched in movies, um, stories I heard from family members, and right. all that. But I'll tell you one thing. One good thing, America does, especially in like third world countries. America sells itself so good. Like the PR out there is so good, from movies to like um, uh, philanthropic missions they do out there. Like everyone will go to like our local zoos. Like you see uh, the the people from the uh, from WF, they come they come out there. They're mostly Americans. So right. like they have like they have this power of trying to portray America like this uh, star. Like this, like this hidden gem. Not to say it's not, because for one thing, this country offers is opportunities most people do not realize they have. So, typically, growing up, like all what we watched um, American movies. I told you about um, American movies I grew up watching from the American Ninjas to Delta Force to uh, Rambo, yeah. yeah. Rambo to Home Alone <laughs> and all that. So, that on its own, it gives you like a perception like what they show on the streets uh you see like uh you see like Rocky running uh running on the uh, on the steps right and you see a home alone you see like Skyline New York that is what you are like looking at America to be culture shock. I moved out here flew out June 1st 2017 flew out first uh port of entry was Newark flying over New York oh my god I could not believe this is the America you you see on the movies. It was like, I, I mean, everything I expected. You flew Seoul, Statue of Liberty, Seoul Downtown Manhattan. Everything like I envisaged was literally this one. I knew this was how yeah. it is everywhere. I like I I felt so much joy in my heart. Right. And then three hours later, this is me getting into a 60-passenger jet flying <laughs> off three hours west i was like oh my god flying uh when we started descending looked out the window first thing i could see windmills i was flying <laughs> over <laughs> flying over the farms of, uh, of iowa windmills i was i was like okay i don't i don't know the but okay I, maybe this is like i was and all that and then flying and in, descending into a player field in Omaha i looked out my window the only thing I knew, this was not New York. Yeah. There were two skyscrapers. And the first word of one skyscraper was Woodman. <laughs> I knew this was, this is not. <laughs> I, know, I mean, this is one part of America. I mean, the Midwest are like, oh my God. right? This is so different. And then imagine me coming from an airport where there were like thousands of people moving at the same time. And literally, when I got to Omaha, it was just our plane
1: yeah. on
2: that day. It blew it blew my mind and then moving and then like um, staying all through my travels, traveling to different states and all that. Then I become I began to I began to understand the uh, the culture, I began to understand the lifestyle. I mean it's good, I'm not gonna say like there's something about, but hey, there are places where America's kind of over exaggerated, like, okay, like this is like this is how America is everywhere. Not that I mean, Omaha, Nebraska no i mean it's yeah. home it's home for me but definitely it, it, it it's not new york it's not new york so that was like a huge shock. like what i saw what i had in my head coming to america okay this is now my new reality right it's not gonna be like that everywhere right yeah that
1: was interesting yeah so i i imagine just that whole experience your your ideas of, of what you were thinking and then to see it for a couple of hours and then yeah we had talked about uh Flying into Omaha and look probably looking out the window and looking down and then all of a sudden it just looks like one of those kind of cartoon maps or something where it's just squares on the ground because you know it's just farmlands and the and the way that we uh, the way that America settled the West and, and land plotting and just a bunch of great squares and you're landing out in the middle of nowhere. Um, With windmills all over the yeah, side Yeah, yeah, windmills and, and like perfectly. And, and it looks, it looks. Weird, like it looks like somebody drew a map with squares when you fly over Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, exactly, uh, Nebraska. It's just flat farmlands. Um, yeah, so it's just a perception, a, a, it's something that you didn't expect. There's, there was tons of things when, uh, and actually, I didn't mention this. Trini, Trinity was on that trip uh, to Nigeria with me. We, we were actually on the same mission then. Uh, so we, we, got to. I, I didn't know what to expect. I did get quite a bit of a cultural information before we took off for Nigeria got plenty of reading material to, to, to understand uh, all the different uh, influences especially we we're in the middle of Nigeria so there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of travel going through uh, all through the continent of Africa there but uh, I, I don't know what my life would have been or what my ideas of Nigeria would have been if all I had seen was movies or just an idea of uh, people from Nigeria showing up every once in a while you know taking care of animals or something nearby me or, or a humanitarian or Philip Philip phil, phil, I'm gonna try yeah. to say this because you said it way better than I did. Philanthropical, philanthropy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. See, God, you said it so beautifully.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, that, uh, like uh, that. Is that is what think? That's true because, like, going to school and all that out here, I've never been in uh, an environment where it's been like exclusively uh, people not my skin color. So it was kind of a cultural shock, and also. When I went to basic training, um, there were a whole bunch of folks from um, suburbs in um, of Illinois yeah. who never actually been in the same room for more than a day with a person or, or, with a person of the same colors. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen I've seen quite a bit of the of the culture on both sides. It's quite it's quite interesting when you get people's uh, point of views.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that kind of ties into a subtopic or another topic that you wanted to bring up, right, Rafi?
0: Yeah, so what you guys are are kind of expressing here is is, uh, stereotypes. And I'm going to give you guys a definition of stereotypes real quick. So it's like a wild, it's a wildly held, widely, wildly, uh, widely held uh, belief that, and it it is fixed on an oversimplified image or idea of a particular type of person or thing. So in this case, your thing was the United States. You were talking about how you, you imagined that basically all of the United States has as New Yorks and New York, and you imagine like, um, no matter where you go, it's it's going to be like that. But um, and distributing you, freedom everywhere <laughs> with Rambo, and then what, <laughs> Chuck Norris, and then what you find out is is it's a it's a it's it's, farly, it's it's highly different. It's and the same thing applies to people too. So um you know we people tend to stereotype others, um and 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 they they have this general idea that that you will behave a certain way based off. What they think they know about your cultural identity. Um, so, I'll give you this example. Um, you can you can take a look at at uh, someone from Ukraine, and and people will tend to think that they will they will behave in a way that that um, is very stereotyped to how they would they they perceive them. So they might they might a lot of them will be stereotyped as a as a being Russian because they have. Uh, to what sounds like most, most, most people, um, it sounds like that they have a Russian accent and they might actually speak Russian, but, but their cultures could be, there could be very different and they could have had a very different, um, growing up as well. So, um, that is stereotypes. And I think, I think there, there, there are times where stereotypes can also be good. So you have, you have an example of, of good stereotypes where, um, people, uh, will will look at you and they based off your your background so say for example stereotyping your education um hey you went to um an mit or you went to a university you have two master's degrees so that that is a type of of good stereotype where they expect that your your performance because of 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 that cultural knowledge of going to to uh, uh advanced schools and 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 so on like that you your you're your stereotype would be that you will you will naturally perform very well, and, or you're maybe good at reading and writing, and that necessarily necessarily might not be true. You might not be good at reading and writing. You might have gone there and got an art degree or something. Right. So, uh, so basically, <laughs> like, so that, not so much good or bad, but
1: it may affect somebody's perception of you positively or negatively. Like that. That's what you're saying. Like so. Like somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I understand 100 percent now what, what you're saying. You threw me off of the good and bad, uh, but I, I get what you're saying. Like the yeah. negative, somebody negatively thinking about you based off your appearance or or something,
0: or thinking positively
1: for the same reasons uh, off of. So you're over
0: generalizing it. So you're basically over it. Like all people that go get a degree are are extremely smart. That's an over over generalization, right? Mean, we've I think we've all met met someone that that uh. Um, might, might not be. <laughs> right. I am, I am an example of that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the example of somebody who doesn't have a degree and is, uh,
1: you know, somewhat, no, I'm not. I'm just as much <laughs> an idiot as you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and on that, on that note, we're going to have to take a small break. Uh, join us next time while we continue this segment on cultural identity with Tom Bay. Talk
0: to you later, Engagers, humans. Bye. If you like that episode, please like and subscribe. Also, follow us on Facebook. If you wish to make contact with the JBMDL Diversity and Inclusion Working Group, please email 87abw.cvb.diversityinclusion at us.af.mil.